And so how do you feel when you watch The Bachelor? What is the emotional undercurrent that keeps you going back for more? Me personally, I like mess. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I like the mess. So like I said, I view it as like a scripted series. So you already know there's going to be a villain. It's going to be someone who either wants too much time with the lead or someone who is lying about being there for the right reasons, quote unquote. Selfish and inauthentic. Okay. <laughs> right? So you kind of get to see the story. And at the end, you kind of get to feel like, oh yeah, I'm glad they picked that person. Seems like they have a good connection. Or idiot, y'all should have picked the other people. Don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> because it's not real. This episode is also available on YouTube, so check out Shelf Love's YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch this conversation. Hello, and welcome to Shelf Love, a podcast and community that critically examines the meaning and structure of romantic love stories in pop culture. I'm your host, Andrea Martucci, and on this episode, Jen is here to tell me about The Bachelor. Jen, thank you so much for joining me. This is your third time, third time's a charm, on shelf okay, Lil John. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> you sound just like Lil John on Bachelor in Paradise right now. So this is really giving me life from the very beginning. Let's do it. It's it's already meta. Would you share a little bit about yourself? Who are you, and why have you come on Shelf Love for the third time? Well, Andrea's holding me hostage in her basement, so she brings me out whenever she wants me on the pod. That's why I'm here for a third time. Aside from being shackled there and being forced to play with children in my spare time. <laughs> this kidding, metaphor is uncomfortable. <laughs> don't worry. She's, she lets me out. It's okay. It's fine. I, we don't even live in the same state right now. But I'm Jen. I host three podcasts because I'm an overachiever. <laughs> one about non-monogamy, which I've talked about on here before, called Monogamish. One called Stacked, which is kind of like Andrea's about romance novels only not really and then the other incomparable shelf love yeah you know the other one happens to be about the bachelor franchise called bachelorettes so i'm here to talk all things bachelor nation that's what it's called by the way the whole collective you are well positioned then to speak to this audience on this topic tell me about is a new series that introduces me and you the listener the watcher to new genres and subgenres of romantic stories across media and my guest the expert is going to share how the genre whatever it is how the genre structure explores romantic love and what audiences expect from the love stories and how these stories make them feel deep in the cockles of their heart or other places. Jen, <laughs> can you tell me about The Bachelor and Bachelor Nation? Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Bachelor Nation. So The Bachelor is a reality dating show which started in the early 2000s. Think about 2002, where it is a man who has a bevy of women to choose from. And he ultimately gets engaged to them, one of them at the end. You know, the one true love sort of pairing, right? You have to have these women compete for you to get to that point. And so each week women are eliminated, eliminated, that's what <laughs> it's called, <laughs> set home via rose ceremony where he hands out roses to the woman he wants to stay on and to continue to find love with. And there's this whole thing caught up with being here for the right reasons, which is being here for love or here for the wrong reasons, which have to do with fame, money, all the things that come with reality TV and those experiences, right? So the Bachelor was first. The next year we got The Bachelorette, which is when I started watching, because I don't even remember who that first guy was. He was a thing. <laughs> the first <laughs> Bachelorette was Trista Sutter, and 
She's still married to her husband, by the way, the guy that she chose on that season. They're still together. They have a beautiful family. It's amazing. And there have been several spin-off shows as well. Bachelor Pad, which was kind of like a Big Brother style show, but more fun. And Bachelor in Paradise, which is, I think, X is on the beach. But like... Is it Survivor plus dating show? I mean, there's not... A- in the beginning, there were definitely some dates that reminded me of Survivor. Actually, one of the most recent episodes involved a snake massage. So that feels kind of Survivor-esque to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's very odd. And they've other done spinoffs like Winter Games, where it was kind of like competing in winter sports and winter type things. And then there was now the most recent iteration during the pandemic was Bachelor Listen to Your Heart, which was a music show competition that had a romance element to it. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it gets confusing, but the most important show in the Bachelor franchise is Bachelor in Paradise. It's the best one. Like, forget about all the other ones. The first Bachelor came out how long ago? 2002. So it's like the very beginning of reality dating shows. So around that time, we had Joe Millionaire. And as we stayed in the early 2000s, we had Flavor of Love with Flavor Flav. Mm-hmm. Rock of Love with Brett Michaels, For the Love of Ray J. Those are just some reality dating shows that have popped up. And on MTV, they were doing Next and Date My Mom and all sorts of other Room Raiders. Just reality dating shows kind of blew up from that point onwards. And so some might question, when the premise of my show particularly in season three, is that we're exploring narratives of romantic love in fiction and pop culture... Uh, Mm -hmm. fictional representations. This is literally called a reality show. However, we of course know that reality shows are highly produced. And so I'm calling it a fiction because we understand that they're crafting a story that we the consumers are going to receive. But I wonder if we could maybe even start just off the bat at addressing that, you talked about being there for the right reasons, the quote unquote wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we could engage for a moment just in how fictional these relationships are and the audience's understanding or engagement in the idea of authentic love, real love, or just for the cameras, etc. So I think if we're looking at The Bachelor franchise from the very beginning, it was definitely more of a right reason scenario where it's people who, I mean, dating apps weren't a thing in 2002. You know what I mean? I think Match.com might have existed or eHarmony. I mean, I was also like 12 at the time, but I thought it was like, isn't this kind of sad to like be online, like emailing strangers? That's weird. But I was absolutely obsessed with watching strangers come on TV and compete for the love of one person because issues right (laughs) Um, but but I think it's also just because that in-person element at the time made more sense so people in the beginning were definitely interested in meeting someone new in a different way and were probably a lot more invested in the love story element that could potentially come from it because again those early bachelor and bachelorettes they weren't winning media deals they weren't getting any of that stuff they were just there and if you found love great if not you got to go home and cry about and then everyone else got to watch it on tv months later so we have that but as we've entered the 2010s the 2020s the 2020s yeah 2020 we've lived through five decades by the way it's upsetting um but yeah 80s 90s 
2000s, 2010s. And today. <laughs> today. <laughs> now that's that what I call living. Living. But now, once you realize that we social media has presented a lot of opportunities for people, right? So we've seen people who've been on reality shows in general transition from one thing to another thing. And so why not use the same platform? I mean, it's reality TV, right? So of course you're there to find love as much as you can find love with someone that you probably maybe spend three hours with if you're chosen at the end, Um, aside from the overnight dates, which I will get to. But there is a lot of, how do I say this nicely? People are there for the clout, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest. In 2021, I am not believing that 90% of these people decided to come on a reality TV show to have their face and embarrassment on camera because they were desperately in love with someone they never met mm-hmm. or saw mm-hmm. before they become influencers as a result of being on the show so right reasons versus wrong reasons it's a matter of time period i would say gotcha okay so tell me your favorite romantic story from the bachelor franchise Ooh. okay so i will say that most of the bachelors and bachelorettes the matches that come from those most of them don't last they have a very high breakup rate. Mm-hmm. Usually after the show, it doesn't work out. But Bachelor in Paradise has one of the best track records. So most couples that actually get engaged on Bachelor in Paradise stay together for long periods of time and eventually get married. So my favorite one out of that batch, I would have to say they're not together anymore, but Crystal and Chris. So Crystal was a villain on her season of The Bachelor bachelor was Ari he was very boring Um, and Chris was not a villain but an unlikable character on his season of the bachelorette so when they met on the beach they had this very weird connection that were kind of like they'd like each other like this is odd but they genuinely connected and like fell in love got engaged at the end of the process they actually got married on a following season of paradise and had people who were at paradise come to their wedding as like a date sort of thing wow. so I mean like I said they're not together anymore <laughs> so it's a sex story for the time but I think that that was a good redemption arc in a way for two characters that we were made not to like based on how it was produced interesting okay and so why do you love it and by the way I, I've jotted down the villain I love that people are being created as characters and character archetypes mm-hmm. in in the plot. So I think you're you're reinforcing that the narrative that is being wrapped around the footage of real people doing real things, perhaps with the influence of knowing that they are playing a part, how that mm-hmm. narrative wrapping is creating a narrative structure that includes villains, heroes, heroines, etc. And that there are similar plot points that we would also expect in a romantic narrative. So why do you love The Bachelor? And how does it represent to you how the genre of, I guess, reality dating shows explore romantic Mm -hmm. love? I love The Bachelor because I started watching when it was Trista's season. And I remember they did that big televised wedding when she and Ryan got married. Ryan's her husband, by the way. And I remember thinking this was so beautiful. Like, I loved weddings. This was so elegant, so romantic. And I loved the idea of people being able to find each other despite distractions. And I don't feel comfortable calling other people distractions, but that's pretty much what they are. It's kind of like that one true love, that one true pairing 
coming through at the end of the process. Mm-hmm. Of course, as we've continued to watch the show, it's not that anymore. Now it's just like any other scripted series to me. It's just purely for entertainment. I'm not officially invested in any of these love stories. I don't go home and lie awake at night thinking about how beautiful it is when these people get together because 90% of the time they break up very shortly mm-hmm. after. I think it definitely plays into a lot of a happy for now kind of romance idea that a lot of people are having. Like you hope for the one true pairing that will last forever, but you know, more than likely you're going to get a happy for now or a, were they even happy in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious because if we think about how the cast is assembled, for this show. Now, everybody is conventionally attractive, right? And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. But then also there's the competition aspect of this, where there is this idea that over the course of the, the season, that you have the the protagonist, the bachelor or bachelorette, has mm-hmm. to choose among these options and the, the options are competing for the attention or affection of that protagonist. But then also this sort of idea that you must be able to find somebody among this selection of people. I'm wondering if the attractiveness of the people according to conventional hegemonic standards, how that plays a role in this idea of who one is attracted to, or is there an idea that like there's almost a level playing field because everyone is like equally attractive, so attraction is not supposed to play a part? I I kind of wonder how it's playing with our ideas around desirability in romantic partners, how that interacts with physical attractiveness, and also playing into the competition. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to start with the first part where it comes to conventionally attractive people. And that usually means white Midwestern women or men. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for the leads, they love a former football player. They love a former athlete of any kind. Tall, white, blonde, dark hair, doesn't matter. He Mm -hmm. has to have played football or ridden a bench at some point in his life. For the bachelorettes, there is slightly more diversity because sometimes they have dark hair, okay? They're not like all blonde or anything or they're occasional blonde where usually there's dark hair. But the first black bachelorette wasn't until 2016. So that's 14 years into the franchise. Yeah. And the first black bachelor was not until 2020. Ooh, okay, 18 years (laughs) in. Yep. So there is obviously always been an issue with highlighting who is considered conventionally attractive, right? And it tends to be white people. There are not a lot of people of color. And when you look at more recent seasons, they've tried to be more diverse, but they've still given darker skinned people villain storylines or not given them any screen time at all. And the people who are the leads who are people of color. So we've had one black, well, we had technically two black bachelorettes, even though Tasha is biracial, but they both chose white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Black Bachelor also chose a white woman. So it's a very also particular idea where even when you have women of color making it to the finals or men of color making it close to the finals, they're never going to get picked because there's always going to be this conventionally attractive white person who is going to do that for you. And so we talk about race representation on the show and how that influences the pipeline, right? Because when you had Rachel Lindsay as a Black Bachelorette, she got so much racist vitriol online. Oh, how could anyone ever love someone like that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Like, And so it's feeding into this idea that dark-skinned women or people of color are not desirable. Mm-hmm. 
And so we go through the same thing. And there's also like a religious element to it where we are now only having white Christian contestants or leads. And what does that look like? Does that mean that Jewish people, (laughs) Muslim people, anybody else is not able to be loved? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an echo chamber of what certain parts of the country and I would say certain parts of the world experience, but put out on a mass scale. So it can be very damaging to people who do not fit these conventions. And I think that a lot of the people of color who follow the franchise spend a lot of time calling this out. We're kind of like, okay, cool. Thank you so much for giving us a black bachelorette. Maybe it would help if you would, you know, give her some black men to possibly date. Or, you know, on Rachel's season, they had a racist on her season. But the first black bachelorette, they had a racist man on the season and they brought black men, but none of those black men dated black women. <laughs> wow. Like, guy, that's went... not what we mean when we say diversity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, literally, there's a guy they put her on a date with and he had never dated a black woman in his life. They had to cut out so many portions of the date for airing because it was so uncomfortable. She had to send him home because he could barely even talk to her. Wow. So... I'm just, wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Do they take into account at all? Is there any conversation about the preferences of the bachelor or bachelorette in choosing the the pool of uh, candidates, competitors, prospects? I I mean, I think that for some people who are chosen as the leads, they may have a bit more say than others. Mm-hmm. But I know for sure, I mean, like now they're casting specifically for certain people. They kind of tend to have an idea of who they might want. So they might cast a wide net. So for example, if you were to become the bachelorette, mm-hmm. yes, I know you're married and have a whole life, but if you were to be the bachelorette and you had been on a season of the bachelor, they kind of have a group of guys who they think might suit you, whether or not it's what you actually want or it's what they mm-hmm. believe that you want. That's a different thing, but they have a group of guys who are like, okay, these guys might work with mm-hmm. Andrea, but they're also going to have a batch of guys that might work with me and with any other woman that they could potentially cast. Mm-hmm. So it's a much wider pool. And then they can choose from that, especially with COVID now, who's available, who can quarantine. And the thing they don't talk about on the show is that these contestants have to leave their jobs for could be days, could be months to compete on the show. And they don't get paid for that. <laughs> I think that like SNL lampooned The Bachelor in at least one sketch that I can think of. And Mm -hmm. there was, I believe every single uh, contestant was like, I'm an influencer. Or there was was some joke about that because like you're talking about, you have to have either a very flexible career or you have to feel like this directly ties into your career ambitions and is going to help you whether you win or not, just the exposure. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, it tends to attract people who have certain types of jobs or certain types of interests because Mm -hmm. for many reasons, I would have no interest in doing this. Not least of which I would, like literally nothing about this sounds fun to me. The entire experience imagining myself in it would make me cringe to death. So you think about like, what is the kind of person who this sounds fun for or sounds advantageous and Mm -hmm. who it doesn't have other things going on in their life that would preclude this being a good choice. Yeah. And there's a funny one they just did with the guys that just came out for the new season. They're like, okay, uh, you can guess he's either a personal trainer or a medical sales rep. Which one do you think he is? That's a more recent (laughs) sketch they did. And yeah, that that's a thing. (laughs) It's definitely a thing. 
But that's why I think The Bachelor and Bachelorette have a lot more issues than see a show like Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise is just kind of giving people that second chance mm. to maybe find someone, not stick to one person. So it's an equal amount at the end of guys and girls. And yes, you're giving roses to people you want to continue the relationships with, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a more warp speed situation. So when you're on The Bachelor, you have to like fight for time with one person. So it's 30 women trying to fight for attention from one man. And that man only has certain many hours in a day. He has to go on individual dates with people he's interested in. They're group dates. There's a lot of levels to this. But once you're doing Bachelor in Paradise, it's kind of like you get to meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. and decide, okay, who do I want to pursue something with? And they bring down new people all the time. So someone new comes down those steps and you're like, oh, I think I might have a better connection with that person. Let mm-hmm. me talk to them. Let me see how that goes. And so it kind of diversifies the dating pool. And if you want to explore more, you can. If you found someone you want to stay locked in with, you can. But you're on a beach in Mexico, <laughs> unlimited cocktails, and getting to spend like 20 hours a day with the person you're interested in. Yeah. So it's just like really drilling in and warp speed time what could potentially work and could not work. Right. And now what are the rules of the genre? What is considered romantic within the universe, within the world created on The Bachelor? Like you mentioned overnight dates earlier. So what yes. what is an overnight date and how does that play into the relationship building or at least the story of a relationship building? I'm going to take you through the process. So you go through several weeks and then once you get down to a final four persons, you have hometown dates where you go to their hometown and you meet their families and they plan a date for you indicative to their area and you decide, okay, who you want to continue with. So once you've gotten to your final three people, because of course it's an elimination process, you have to send someone home, then you have fantasy suites. So that's what the overnights are called. So you spend all day with the person and then at the end of it, you can decide if you want to spend the night together in a room, no cameras, mm-hmm. or if you want to go back to your individual hotel rooms. Do they decide this together or do they? They decide right. this together, yeah. Based I'm, on I'm picturing one going, person being like, yeah, let's do it. And the other one's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, they decide together if that's something they're comfortable doing. We've okay. had people not do fantasy suites because of religious reasons or because they get sent home. And so <laughs> that that's also possible. I mean, you're having a lot more dedicated time with those final four contestants compared to when it was like 30 people in the house. So what if the 10 minutes you spent with them before across that entire time, now you're spending a whole day with them and you're kind of like, oh, this is not the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. So you can send them home at that opportunity. And then once you get to the final two, you usually get, you know, they meet your family Mm -hmm. and you kind of get to see how your family interacts with these people and what they think, things like that. And then, of course, at the end, there must be a proposal. That's a new thing. <laughs> um, it wasn't always that way in the beginning, but at the end of every season now, there is a proposal. Mm-hmm. There's been a few seasons where that hasn't happened in recent times. And people are like, oh, how could he not propose? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, yeah. right? Just like in the end of a romance novel, there has to be a happily ever after. <laughs> Some people believe the proposal is absolutely necessary. Because you've had people who've been like, oh, I don't think I'm ready to propose. You're like, why'd you come on the show? You know the engagement happens at the end. Why did you come if you don't want to propose? Yeah. There's, I guess, an understanding that the proposal is not like legally binding. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a metaphorical, you know, conclusion 
for the season. No, it is an actual, like you shop for rings and everything. They have a ring guy that comes in and you choose a ring and you get down on one knee and you propose to the person. And if they're together for a certain period of time after the show, like in real life, they get to keep the ring. But if they break up before, they have to return it. Wow. There's a lot of incentives (laughs) there um, building up, right? To maintain the facade. (laughs) I'm sure you hear many times the name of that jeweler. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just seeing the product placement opportunities, the the brand opportunities here. Every relationship you've talked about so far assumes heterosexuality also yes so did i hear recently that there is a new season coming up with a gay man who will have only male contestants did i make that up uh, no that was uh that's something they considered doing so a former bachelor came out as gay recently mm-hmm. um but he's a very problematic man okay. <laughs> um, okay. there is the person that he chose on his season he ended up you know stalking her and harassing her at a period of time. So we don't want to give that person a platform, obviously. But they're like, oh, well, since he was already the bachelor for women, and obviously he doesn't like women, maybe we can just do a gay bachelor and have him do that or mm-hmm. have someone else do that. Mm-hmm. So it's a good idea. I'm always down for a gay version of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but not with him. And there has been one queer relationship on the American bachelor, just one. Um, it was actually on Bachelor in Paradise. There was someone who had gone down, recently come out as bisexual, was seeing a woman before they came to the beach, and they brought that woman, who is not in Bachelor Nation, has never been on a show before, they brought her there for them to further their love story, mm-hmm. and possibly for ratings. But don't quote me on that. We can never know. <laughs> um, well, how could we? How could we possibly know? <laughs> right? Right. I-, I think you've hit on some of these points what I'm trying to zoom in on is like this show seems to be trying to simulate what it believes is important in a romantic relationship. So once you get to the end, the overnight fantasy suite seems to be simulating is there sexual attraction or opportunity for intimacy, let's say, as I will always say, romantic love does not have to require a sexual intimacy, but it seems like this show is putting that in there as what it believes to be an important element there's, does this person get along with my family? Can this person fit into my life, like in my hometown? Are there other things that this show really thematically recurs as sort of like, oh, wow, person did blank and that is romantic and that makes them a good romantic partner? When people have left the franchise, they've talked about romantic things that the person they were most interested in did for them. Mm-hmm. Like on one season, the girl was like, listen, like, he would sneak me notes when we were together so I could read them alone so I could know he cared about me mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Or like we, when I would hand him a rose at the rose ceremony, he'd like sign a little note like in it so I could take it and, you know, read it later. But like they do a lot of grand gestures for dates and things like that. And even the limo entrances, I forgot to mention that. So it starts with our lead standing outside the mansion and people pull up in a limo and some of them have fantastic entrances. Everyone's in their evening wear, you know, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Some people make it fun. You know, there was a guy who had a pickup truck and it was like a ball pit mm-hmm. in the back of the pickup truck and he popped out. <laughs> You've had a girl who be- went on to become a bachelorette who showed up with her vibrator 
and uh, said that she hoped that she wouldn't need this anymore at the oh, end of boy. the thing. <laughs> um, like finding <laughs> a romantic partner means you would have no need for this anymore. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. at least we know and, where she stands on that. Right, you know, I mean, but she's our sex-positive bachelorette, um, so it was more of like a joke kind okay. of thing. She's like, All oh, right, I've fine. been quarantining in the hotel, so, you know, I guess I won't need this anymore once we're done with this kind of vibe. Kind of yeah, vibe? You know? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Some people who do fun entries like that, you have people who just give them, like, little gifts. Like, say, I'm from Jamaica, I'd probably do something corny and bring something Jamaican, you know, pan chicken, probably. You know, just something fun. Just like a baked but dish. It's also, <laughs> yeah, but it's also awkward, like, when you're meeting them that way and then they have to meet like 20 other people behind you, they have to like quickly hand off the, the gift to a producer. It's like, oh crap. <laughs> and then on the dates themselves, it's things like, you know, solo flying in an airplane over romantic feel, romantic picnics, horseback riding on the beach or whatever it is. And then there's a travel element to it as well, where usually you film at the mansion for a time and then you do like an international tour. Mm -hmm. go to different countries and different states and see different things and so there's just there's a lot of elements to it I think and so it's grand gesture romance and performative romance as opposed to not always being able to have those genuine intimate conversations and connections about what you want in a relationship right if they're having a long walk on the beach it's really more about the aerial shot of the grand vista of the beach and what they're wearing and, and all of this more so than the content of their conversation that and of course they would only show 20 seconds of that they wouldn't show Mm -hmm. you the whole conversation which is which is really I mean you're implying this like where the intimacy really really grow yeah and so how do you feel when you watch The Bachelor what is the emotional undercurrent that keeps you going back for more me personally I like mess okay (laughs) I like I like the mess like I said I view it as like a scripted series so you already know there's going to be a villain. Usually you can pick out who the villain's going to be fairly early on. It's going to be someone who either wants too much time with the lead or someone who is lying about being there for the right reasons, quote unquote. Selfish and inauthentic. Okay. <laughs> right. And so it's a lot of things like that. So you kind of get to see the story. And at the end, you kind of get to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm glad they picked that person. It seems like they have a good connection or idiot. Y'all should have picked the other people. Don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> because it's not real and I think there's like an an element of fantasy to it for me personally there are people who take this very seriously but for me there's that fantasy element where I can just check in for a little bit watch this and then check out Mm -hmm. I don't need to be wrapped up in this as an idea of what I consider love to be Mm -hmm. and what I expect out of romantic relationships like sorry we can't be together if you don't like take me on a plane and fly me over beautiful field and then, you know, give me a rose and tell me that I'm safe for another week. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not how I view love and romance, so. Right. I mean, and you're also not monogamous. So there, there's that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's the other thing, too. Like, as somebody who is not monogamous and not straight, yeah. it's like, okay, okay, I guess this dude is hot. I mean, usually I don't think he is. But like, okay, I guess this dude is hot. But those girls in the house don't. Like, let's talk about that. <laughs> What are we going to do about it? Yeah. To dig a little deeper on that for just a moment, this Mm -hmm. idea that the fantasy part of it is, you mentioned, you like the mess, you like the drama. So it's Mm -hmm. dramatique. And you kind of don't see that in conflict with your idea of real romantic love. Like, you know, this is Mm -hmm. manufactured drama. That's not 
you know, real love. Yeah. And then the other part of that is thinking about this as a fantasy where you acknowledge that the more fantastical visual elements that make this an escape, the mm-hmm. international travel, the dates that are really extravagant and really like mm-hmm. things you maybe do once or twice in your life, but like not the kind of thing that you engage in regularly unless you're dating a billionaire yeah. and who <laughs> wants to do that. Um, a lot of this I can imagine on a TV show is aesthetic enjoyment, aesthetic pleasure. The evening gowns, it's all mm-hmm. about kind of the pleasure for the viewer, this voyeuristic pleasure. You acknowledge that is fantasy. You've talked about people who take this very seriously. What is your sense of viewers in terms of acknowledging the, the fantastical elements as fantasy, but also still kind of buying in emotionally to the romantic relationships, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, sorry. We hit That's the timer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as much as it is a show, these are real people. These are their lives. They're playing out some elements of their personality and their lives on camera. Mm-hmm. So it is not abnormal to be invested in real people and wanting them to succeed and feeling like if someone who is this kind of person who maybe wears the same makeup as me or you know has the same sort of style as me if that person can find love this can happen to me too and people who are just kind of like I like to just be reinforced in that my marriage is solid (laughs) my love is good my relationships are good and I love seeing other people succeed in those things so all of those things can be true but we still have to remember this is still produced. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing called Frankenbiting that comes up where you'll see, you know, people saying something, but it's out of context. So you'll hear their voice over a scene, but what they were talking about was not what was happening in the scene. Sorry, Franken... Frankenbiting. Biting? Yeah, like sound bites. Frankenbiting. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so things like that happen as well. For example, there's been some recent controversy on this season of Bachelor in Paradise where a man came down in a previous relationship and he's a white man. This is important for context. And so he zeroed in on the single dark-skinned woman on the beach, built a connection with her, told her he just wanted to go slow, that things were progressing a certain way. And then his actual girlfriend came down the steps and he dropped her like a hot potato. (laughs) And so Mm. finding out that this is something he and the girlfriend concocted to come on the show for likes, for followers, for whatever reason it was. And there's a lot of clips of him saying very negative things about her, but there are clips where you see his mouth moving. So you know that he said these things. So Mm. it could be something related to something totally different. And it makes you see him a certain way and it also reinforces those negative stereotypes we talked about where it's like he doesn't believe this dark skin woman is desirable Mm -hmm. like he even said to somebody oh like she had no prospects anyway like what did i keep her from Mm. yeah (laughs) but you don't see who he's talking to so you don't know if it's a producer you don't know if it's somebody else who's on the beach and so it's things like that where people make their own choices on camera i'm not saying they can't be encouraged but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day your words are your words whether it was the context that they were using or not is another situation. So things like that happen. You can see this, people can take it seriously, but I think we have to always remember that as much as people are who they are and they do put out elements of their personality, it's not all real. (laughs) 
Yes, it's called reality TV, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm the first to point that out. Jen, how can people find you and your work online? And you have mentioned your podcast, The Blatchelorettes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about The Blatchelorettes and what you talk about on that podcast. So, of course, The Blatchelorettes, it's The Black Bachelorettes. See, we just put those together. Mm -hmm. uh, my pod partner, Lex, and I talk about reality dating shows. So we've talked about Dating Around. We've talked about The Bachelor franchise. And we also talked about Bridgerton for a bit because we were disgusted with how little romance was on one of the seasons of The Bachelor that we just watched. We are like, screw it. If you want some romance, give us Bridgerton. It's the same thing anyway. It ends the same. <laughs> so With a proposal. We did that with a proposal I'm just saying like it happens we do live recaps on social media when the episodes air episodes for the podcast drop on thursdays usually after everything and you can find us on twitter and instagram mostly at blatchelorettes you want to find me personally it's at have you met jen jen is spelled j-h-e-n <laughs> on twitter instagram goodreads because i also read romance novels and my other podcast at monogamish pod on twitter Instagram, monogamishpod.com. Learn about polyamory and non-monogamy. Monogamishpod.com. And stacked.show to learn about our views on romance novels with my pod partner. And wow, I have a lot. I'm, I'm tired now. That was too You're, many. I, I'm tired. You are busy. You are a cook yeah. in every kitchen. Um, <laughs> many pots on the fire? I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm making a tres leches cake. It involves a lot of tres and leches. Oh. I just want a cake. That's that's how I feel right now. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you for taking the time to tell me about The Bachelor. You're most welcome. I'll come back anytime to dive in deeper. <laughs> well, this was your third time, and I, I know that you are still feeling very competitive about mm -hmm. ousting some others as top podcast guests on Shelf Love. So one more in the bag. Listen, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working my way up the ranks to all you other people who've been on Shelf Love longer and more times than I have. I'm coming for you. But like in a less menacing and competitive way than that sounded. Yeah, come on. This isn't The Bachelor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. And don't forget to subscribe to Shelf Love on YouTube or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. That's Shelf Love. Two words. If you enjoy this content, you can support Shelf Love on Patreon. Check that out at patreon.com slash shelflove. I'd like to thank Shelf Love's $20 a month supporters, Gail, Copper Dog Books, Frederick Smith, and John Jacobson. That's all for today. Bye.